0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome on Extend the Welcome this morning to Cornerstone Church. It is so good to be with you. I'm Ben, I'm one of the leaders here at Cornerstone, and I have the privilege of opening up God's Word with you this morning. So it is great to be with you. And now, if you've joined us and you're new, you have joined us at a time where we are walking through a series which is looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. So Jesus said to us in his word, he says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd, is what we're looking at this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And so if, you've, if, you, if you're new to church and you're coming in this morning and you're wondering, who is this Jesus person that everyone keeps going on about? You might have joined on the best week. The best series is right before you. So, so I want to welcome you and, and bring you into that. Um, and if, you can, if you've got a Bible, if you would jump to John chapter 10, that's where we're going to be this morning, so do jump there. If you haven't got a Bible, the passage will be on the screens on either side of me, so do, do follow on there. Last week we heard from Carl, and Carl shared to us, I am the door. Jesus is the way in. Only through Jesus are we saved, and only through Jesus do we have life, and have life with abundance. And if you remember the passage, there is a lot of talk about sheep and shepherds and all sorts, and that happens to be the focus of my passage this week. So clearly, Jesus wants us to get a few things straight this morning. So, so this, so we're we're going to look at John 10. I'm going to read the passage out, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump straight in so John chapter 10 and we're looking at verses 11 to 18 so follow on with me as I read I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees So there will be one flock one shepherd for this reason the father loves me because i lay down my life that i may take it up again no one takes it from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have authority to lay it down and i have authority to take it up again this charge i have received from my father let me pray father we thank you that you are a god who speaks to us And so, Lord, we pray as we come to your word, by your spirit, open our eyes to see what you have to say to us this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I happen to have met a few shepherds in my time. And surprising, I know. But I'm guessing a few of us may not have even come across one shepherd. I think we're yet to see a flock of sheep, move, sheep, flock, of shepherds, flock of sheep moving up Dovedale Road, followed by being led by someone waving all sorts of commands and, and calling the sheep to follow them, right? We, we, haven't, we haven't seen that. I don't think we're going to see that yet. Having said that, apparently there is a farm on Rose Lane, which back in the day would have had a working farm, so you never, never say never. But my point is... Today, we don't see sheep that often, right? We don't see sheep that often. We don't see shepherds that often. Now, Jesus is speaking here to the people of Israel. But particularly, he's speaking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, these were religious leaders of the day. People of influence over the people of God, right? And Jesus is speaking directly to them And to all those who might be listening in that's who jesus is speaking to and so their idea of a shepherd is way different to ours for a start it did not take much to come across shepherds in the middle east around that time and so the word shepherd would immediately trigger all sorts of things in their minds as i'm sure it does to an extent for some of us They knew the shepherd's role. Shepherds care for the sheep. They lead the sheep to grass and to feed them. They heal the wounded. They watch for enemies and they they protect the sheep. They even fight for them at the risk of their own lives. They would see this all the time. The people Jesus is speaking to would see this all the time. And so they they had a pretty clear picture of the ideal shepherd. They had a clear picture. But they didn't understand shepherds just on that. If you're familiar with the story of the Bible, you'll know that shepherds are actually a really big theme all the way throughout the Bible. And so in order for us to understand what Jesus is really saying when he says, I am the good shepherd, we gotta do a little bit of background work on what he's speaking into so that we can really feel the weight of his words. What is Jesus saying? when he says, I am the good shepherd. So I'm gonna give us a little sweeping view of the Old Testament, just to, just to bring us to that same understanding that, that that's what they, the people Jesus is speaking to would have had. And so throughout the Old Testament, God describes himself as a shepherd. God is a shepherd over his people. And Israel were a people that, that God had delivered out of slavery and he led through the wilderness. Psalm 100, a prayer given to God's people, says this. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In Micah 7, God's people cry out to them. What they say? They say, shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance. And then I'm sure most of us are familiar with with the words of David in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. To God's people, they knew that God is their shepherd. They knew that. And what we see as as we follow the story of God's people through the Bible, is that God loves to use people to fulfill his purposes right? God invites us into the work that he is doing. And so God raises up leaders to help shepherd his people. Shepherd leaders who would care for God's people, lead God's people, protect God's people. And so I want to give you two examples. Moses. Moses was a shepherd by trade. So this guy, this guy knew how to look after sheep, right? He'd been doing this all of his life. And then God calls him to himself begins to use him to lead people, God's people, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and out of oppression. But God clearly delivered his people out of Egypt, right? We see that. Read the Bible. I don't think it takes a genius to figure out that a plague coming down on a people, a river turning into blood, locusts swarming on the city, it doesn't take a miracle for us to work out that that is actually the hand of God, right? So we know, we know God is totally at work there. It's God who shepherds his people However, God used Moses to be his mouthpiece, to speak to the people, to help lead them out of Egypt and through the wilderness. And then we have David, a young shepherd boy who God would raise up to be king over Israel. And around that time, kings were often compared to shepherds, a good king would be like a shepherd that cares for his flock. And David, God's king over his people, says this about those who rule well over people. When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes the grass to sprout from the earth. David lived this. These these are good shepherds over God's people. These are good shepherds. And God approved of the way they lived and the way they ruled. And I think one one thing that we can take from that is that God wants shepherds to lead his people. God wants shepherds to lead his people. Godly authority is good authority. Authority that is worked out in the fear of God that leads to blessing for those in their care, just like David said. Now, I'm aware in our culture, that can be hard for us to swallow, right? What we can often experience, and what we're hearing about more and more and more, is actually the abuse of authority. People in positions of power and influence that abuse the weak and the vulnerable, authority that is characterized by oppression rather than the flourishing of people, authority that is self-centered, not God-centered, authority that is far from what God wants for humanity, far from what God wants. Which, sadly, we can even experience in the church the last place it should be. But let me be clear, the God of the Bible exercises authority, and His authority is always, always, always for blessing, always. See, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees here. We know that because of what's just gotten on in chapter nine. A man born blind, he gets healed. What's their response? The Pharisees cast him out of the synagogue. And then Jesus comes to them and he says to them, truly, I say to you, truly, I say to you, Pharisees, you spiritual leaders over my people. I used to work in a warehouse for a camera shop. And so we would be the guys out the back. We would take in all the orders. We'd process them. We'd package them. We'd ship them off uh, to the customers. And there was also a showroom out the front, so we had guys on the floor who were selling the products, engaging with customers, and then and then we'd be the guys just ferrying the products back and forth to, to the guys selling the, the products out the front. And I, I always remember this one guy called Pete, and now Pete worked with me. He worked with us out in the back of the warehouse. Late 50s, early 60s. And this, this guy had been there for years, like working day in, day out. He was one of those guys where he was almost born in the warehouse, you know what I mean? Like he just constantly working. Day and night, without fail, and without fail, on the, on the minute the, the the big hand hits six pm, he dropped whatever he was doing, put on his coat, and head home. And so, it probably doesn't surprise you that caused a little bit of friction in everyone around. Everyone's a bit like, "Well, we got to pick up the pieces here. What's going on?" I'm like, what? but I, that's what he'd do. And and and, to, and Jesus, Jesus is speaking to the spiritual leaders of the day, and he calls out the hired hands. So look at at verses 12 to 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees and the wolf snatches him and scatters him. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. A hired hand is someone who works for their pay. Nothing more, nothing less. And in a lot of ways, my co-worker, Pete, he had every right, right to work that way. Of course he did. He got he got paid for what he worked for. So he worked his hours to the minute. And it might be easy to think that the guys out in the showroom, well, they kinda go the extra mile. They are they kinda seem like they're talking to customers past the closing hours. Seems like they're doing it right. But but let's be honest, the reason they would go the extra mile was because they knew that the more time they spent with the customers the more commission they'd get a bigger paycheck understandable right that is what a hired hand is that's what a hired hand is and jesus is saying this is the state of the spiritual leaders over god's people remember jesus speaking to the pharisees the religious leaders of the day those god had called to be shepherds and he says to them square in the face you are no more than hired hands. These guys knew their role. Years before, you see in the Bible that that God has sent a prophet called Ezekiel, and he called out against the shepherds over the people who knew they were called by God to feed the sheep, protect the sheep, even risk their lives for the sheep. That's what they called to. That's what they signed up for. That's what they knew was their role. They knew that. And he calls out against them, and he says, what you're doing is you're using the sheep to feed yourselves. Feed their own desires. Feed their own appetites. It could be money to spend on pleasures. It could be control, loving having authority over people, loving feeling like you're the one in control. It could be loving, being seen as the guru, the one who knows. The moment trouble comes their way, the moment death threatens them, if they stay with the flock, the moment things get costly for them, where are they? They flee, gone. Nowhere to be seen, why? Because they do not care about the sheep. That's what Jesus says. They use the sheep to feed themselves and they stay as long as it benefits them. That's what he's saying. And they may even be seen to be doing their job like the guys working out in the the showroom they may even be seen to be be the guys who are shepherding the people of israel but they don't stay over time to see that people are okay and in a good condition they don't give up their own wants to care for the sick or the wounded they stay as long as it benefits them that's why they're there and jesus is calling that out so jesus is talking to the pharisees that's for sure i think we see that but he's also very aware of others listening in, the flock. And Jesus is acknowledging before them bad leadership, bad shepherding. And by doing that, Jesus is saying this, I am on the side of the oppressed, the mistreated, the abused, and the hurting. So if you've experienced bad leadership, even in the church and you're hurting, Jesus says, I see it too. It's not okay and it will be dealt with. But as much as he calls it out, he is saying, I am the good shepherd, look to me. Why do you look to spiritual leaders? Why do you look to pastors? Why do you look to people of influence for your approval, worth, and significance? Why are you in despair when a leader falls? Why are you on the brink of giving up on your faith when you see systemic failure and sin in leaders tear apart a church? Why? Because Jesus says to you, don't let this surprise you. Don't despair. I am the good shepherd. Look to me. See, shepherds... Shepherds aren't bad in and of themselves. Let's not be tempted to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think the temptation for us to run away from good authority and good leadership can be huge, especially today. God wanted shepherds to love and care for his people. He wants that. He wants to use people in that. But he wants to see, he wants us to see, That these under shepherds are not where we are to put our hope. If we do put our hope there, they will fail us. And they will disappoint. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus calls out the hired hands, but he doesn't want us to question the role of shepherds over his people. Keep your eyes open for hired hands. See them for what they are. They look like shepherds, but they're not shepherds. See them for what they are. Don't be led astray. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be led astray. Now, of course, I am aware that I'm speaking as an elder at Cornerstone Church. And my role as an elder is to shepherd God's flock that God has placed me among as an under-shepherd to Jesus. So let me say this. Don't expect perfection from your elders. (laughs) But our hope and our prayer is that we shepherd you in such a way that leads you to the good shepherd. That's that's our hope and prayer. So let's celebrate when that happens because that is good shepherding. But pray for us in that. Pray for us as elders of Cornerstone Church. Our role is to lead you to the good shepherd, not to ourselves. And Jesus calls out bad shepherding But in doing that, he also affirms good shepherding. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So what does that mean? What is he saying? The word good in the original language gives the idea of something beautiful, winsomely attractive as what the definition gave me. But, but, no, no, so I feel like good in our language doesn't quite, quite capture that. It doesn't quite capture that. It's good, but it doesn't quite capture that. And so I think a more accurate word which hits the meaning of the passage, that Jesus is saying, I am the surpassing shepherd. The surpassing shepherd. This, what Jesus is saying is, is that he is the attractively winsome one above all the rest. That Actually, when we look to Jesus, all other shepherds should and do pale insignificance. Even the good shepherds. And so Jesus is saying that he is the shepherd over all shepherds, the shepherd who stands above them all. And last week we saw that Jesus is the door and that all that came before Jesus were thieves and robbers. Jesus says, I am the one who surpasses them all. And so why does Jesus highlight bad shepherding, bad leadership immediately after he says, I am the good shepherd. And I think one reason is that we are often led astray by people. Often leaders. Could be political leaders. Could be leaders of a movement. Religious leaders. Spiritual leaders. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, don't look to to them, look to me. Don't be led astray, look to me. But ultimately, the reason he is the good shepherd is because he is the shepherd of all shepherds. He is the true shepherd. Shepherd so I want to give you three ways now three ways that Jesus stands before us as the good Shepherd who surpasses any that have gone before any who will come after and by doing that I hope that we will see Jesus is a good Shepherd that not just God's people need that we all need Jesus is the good Shepherd we all need and Jesus is the good Shepherd that we all long for so number one Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep. Look at verses 14 to 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I used to work on a, well, I used to work on farms as part of a course that I was doing and I'd often help out around the time that lambs were being born so I'd actually end up working alongside the Shepherd and what would always strike me was just how well they know their sheep they'd know the ones that were slow to move with the flock they know the ones that are a little bit wayward they know the ones that were generally easy to handle all they needed was a nudge and they'd be in the right direction They knew the ones that were headstrong who needed to be pinned down by several several people if they needed treatment and get there some shepherds would even name their sheep a little bit weird but they knew their sheep good shepherds know their sheep but shepherds only know their sheep from afar right you you, they, they don't have eyes on every single one of them all at the same time of course they don't They don't know exactly what the sheep are thinking when they get fearful, when they bolt off in the other direction. Of course they don't. So when Jesus says, I know my own, he is saying there is an understanding here that goes far beyond that, far beyond knowing a sheep just because of how they act, just because of how they need to be led, far beyond knowing everything about them. And I think you'd probably all nod your heads and agree with me if I said God knows everything about us, right? I think we'd all nod our heads. He knows, the, he, numbers the, the, he knows the exact number of hairs on our head. He knows that. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're feeling. Of course he does. He's the creator of the universe. And I think we'd all agree there, but I think often where we jump to, where we read these words about Jesus knowing his sheep, is that we go straight to there. God knows everything about us. God knows everything. He knows us. He knows us. And that's true. Of course it is. Of course that's true. But Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. See, shepherds back in the day, they would have constantly been with their sheep. They would have been the one they fed them. They would have fed them. They would have led them. They would have protected them. And they even would have slept in the same fields as them to make sure they were safe. I think we're a little bit removed from that. Here, I think the life of a shepherd in our present day is a life of luxury compared to the shepherds back then because they were fighting off all sorts at the time that, that Jesus was writing. So, so, but, but they were constantly with their shepherds all the time. So So when Jesus says... I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, what he is talking about here is his closeness to us. His closeness to us. Not just a closeness because he knows everything about us, but a closeness in relational nearness. He's saying that this this picture of a good shepherd who's close to his sheep isn't even enough to describe the closeness that his sheep have with him. So much so that the only thing that can even come close to describing that is his relationship with his father in heaven, which is eternal, ongoing, never changing, infinite. That's what this picture of a shepherd with his sheep is all about. And so Jesus, he doesn't want us to have an understanding of God shaped by the hired hands who didn't know if they were coming or going. He, does, he doesn't want that, because he doesn't. But hear this: He doesn't want us to settle for an understanding of God shaped by the good shepherds who cared for the flock as well as they could, who did a good job. He doesn't want us to settle for that. He wants us to know that if we are his sheep, we have been brought into an intimacy that can only be compared to with the closeness of him with his father in heaven. So let me put it this way. For those who Jesus has saved into his flock, there is no place you can run. There is no danger you can stray into there is no sin that you can fall into that makes you even a little bit further from Jesus than you were before and it might be you're in a in a season where you feel you don't like you don't know him as much maybe you're in a season where you're struggling to pray or even open up his word look to him in his word just feels a bit dry feels a bit like ah oh, even you just don't sense his presence, however you want to define that. Jesus says this, those who are in my flock are as close as they ever will be. Why? How? He lays his life down for his sheep so that we can be brought into the love that he has with his father. If you want to know how close you are to Jesus, ask yourself this, how close is Jesus to his father in heaven? That's how close you are. Jesus is the good shepherd who knows his sheep and whose sheep know him. Number two, Jesus is the good shepherd who gathers the scattered sheep. Look with me in verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now, if you remember the blind man who was healed and the Pharisees' immediate response, what do they do? They cast him out. But here, we have Jesus, the Good Shepherd, bringing the sheep in, bringing the sheep into what he has with his Father in heaven. That's why he says immediately after we know him and he knows us, he says immediately after that, he says, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Why? He lays his life down for the sheep to bring us in. That's the opposite. That's the absolute opposite of bad leadership. One of the results of bad leadership, bad shepherding over the people of Israel is that they ended up being scattered. Bad shepherds pushed people away and prevented them coming in. That's what Ezekiel called out against. The sheep were scattered. The sheep were malnourished. The sheep were all over the place. And remember the hired hands with the wolf. If you look here, that the minute they flee and neglect their duty, the sheep are snatched by the wolf and scattered. And so this, this was a story of Israel time and time again, to the point where the whole nation even divided, divided into two. Israel on one side, Judah on the other side. Bad shepherding, bad leadership led to scattered sheep, which led to the splitting of a nation. They were supposed to be a light to the nations, but division from within led to the nations being driven out that's what happened now look at verse 16 and i have other sheep that are not of this fold jesus is essentially saying here to the pharisees that being god's chosen people is not all about you what you thought was an exclusive ethnic religion is actually the opposite and that he's here for his lost sheep sheep from another fold as well as the fold that he's among and so what he's saying to them here is that he is here for the gentiles he's here for the non-jews too they didn't want that they wanted exclusivity they wanted to push people out they didn't want to they didn't want to invite other nations in and so and so, so they come so god comes to fulfill his plan which is to bring one nation together and so If if you want to know, if you want to know what God thinks about the racism of our day, it is this, one shepherd, one flock, many folds, that's what he says, one king, one people, many nations. Only through the gospel, only through the gospel, only in God's kingdom will we see true racial harmony only in the gospel only in god's kingdom a people brought together from every tongue every tribe every nation and when jesus said these words here he was talking to about every single one of us in this room we are part of another fold and we have been brought in let's continue in verse 16 I must bring them also. I must. That's what Jesus says. Jesus is not only the shepherd who wants to bring all the sheep in, unlike the bad shepherds, they didn't want nothing to do with it. He is the shepherd who will stop at nothing until they are in. Whatever the cost, whatever the journey to recover lost sheep that have gone astray, this is Jesus' heart for us. Not only will he bring us in, he will keep us in. Why? He must bring all those who are his with him. And he says later on here, no one will snatch them out of my hand. There is no one too far gone. There is no sheep so tangled up in the, in the thorns of sin that he cannot rescue and bring back. He must bring them also. Look again at 16. And they will listen to my voice. How does Jesus rescue his strays? How does he bring his sheep back? He calls out to them and they follow. Isn't that amazing? God speaks to us through his word. That is how God calls us. Carl shared a story last week, didn't he, about a shepherd who lost his sheep, and a shepherd began to call out for his sheep, not knowing exactly where they are. One by one, they began to follow his voice until they returned home. The sheep know the shepherd's voice, and they begin to follow his voice into safety. Jesus' words are not hope in the dark. Jesus is, spe- is still speaking today and calling people to himself. My own story of, of coming to know Jesus was like this. I was, raised, I was raised in a Christian family, drip-fed stories about Jesus week in, week out, and I pushed everything away. Did not want anything to do with Jesus hated God, hated the Bible, hated everything. And after hitting rock bottom, do you know what I did? By the grace of God, I read the Bible and Jesus called me to himself. When we speak the words of Jesus, Jesus is calling out to his sheep. So be encouraged. When you talk about Jesus to your kids, when you explain the gospel to your, to your neighbor, when you live for Jesus in the workplace, Jesus is gathering, Jesus is calling, his sheep will follow. They will. And finally, Jesus is the good shepherd who surpasses them all because Jesus is a good shepherd who sacrificed himself for his sheep. Look at verses 17 to 18. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again and no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father." A good shepherd around the time Jesus lived would have risked his life to make sure the flock was safe from threats. Imagine David, slinging one hand, rocking the other, fighting off wild animals that came to the flock. That was kind of his bread and butter. That was, that was his everyday routine, fighting off anything that came near that it was a potential to be a threat to the flock. And so they would have, they would have risked their lives to defend the flock, risking injury most of the time and risking death a lot of the time that that's what that's what how they lived and so and so for them to survive they knew that for them to survive that was the best thing for the flock if they survived the flock would go on the shepherd knew that their survival was key but they also knew they had to protect the flock from anything coming in as a threat but Jesus now Jesus he is the shepherd who knows that the best thing for his flock is that he dies so that they live and live forever. Jesus isn't a shepherd who risks his life. And he's after more than survival. Jesus doesn't risk his life. What Jesus doesn't risk his life. He lays it down for the flock. That's what it says. He lays his life down for the flock. There's no potential for death here. There's only a willing giving up of his life all the way to death. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. So remember the picture of the hired hands and the wolf? This isn't, this isn't just about bad shepherds. What Jesus is saying here, that, that there is a threat to the flock. What's the threat? The threat's the wolf. And so what he's talking about here, he's talking about the threat to all humanity, which is, what is that? Carl shared that with us last week. Sin death, and judgment. That is the, the threat to all humanity. That's what the wolf is all about. And so that's what the shepherds were called to do. God's shepherds over the people. They were to protect the flock from being led astray. They were to feed them with the spiritual food of God's word. They would call them to live in obedience as God's people. Why? Because the biggest threat to them was that they were led astray into sin and ran away from the God that had called them and saved them. That's that's why, that's what they were called to do. And so Jesus isn't, he's not just a good shepherd here who fights off danger for a time, but he's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep by dying in their place, in our place, taking away the wolf once and for all, dealing with sin and death once and for all. Why is there this threat? Well, sin isn't just for those who do really bad things. That's not how the Bible defines sin. Jesus exposes bad shepherding. Bad leadership. But at the same time, he's exposing the sin that his sheep need to be freed from. Need to be saved from. And what's that? Looking everywhere else but him. That's what sin is. Jesus is exposing bad shepherding And all that, for the sake of us seeing what what sin is, is is looking elsewhere apart from God, looking to people for hope and significance instead of Him, looking to things for hope and significance instead of Him. That's what sin is. And so the only real threat to humanity is sin and death and the judgment we deserve, which is God's wrath, God's eternal wrath on sinners. That's why Jesus says He's the door. That's why, Jesus, that's why he says he's the door and he's the shepherd. If anyone enters by him, he will be saved. That's what we heard last week. Saved from what? The wolf. Sin, death, judgment. Jesus is a good shepherd who sacrifices himself for the flock. But get this. Jesus is the good shepherd who isn't killed only to remain in the grave, leaving the flock vulnerable and without a shepherd. Verse 17, look at this. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. He is our eternal shepherd who sacrifices himself for the sheep, but he rises from the dead for us, so that by faith in him, we are also raised into eternal life where the wolf can no longer get to. That's where we are, his people, as his sheep. We've been brought into his fold, where we can only hear the sound of the wolf in the field next door. Of course, we still live in a broken world, but the reality of sin and death is still present. Of course we do. That's the world we live in. And we feel the effects of that, even as Christians. Whether we sin ourselves or, we, or someone sins against us, but hear this, we are safe. Safe. And I think the reason Jesus says he is the door and the good shepherd, because he is not only the way in, Jesus is the way through. If we've entered in through the door, we are saved, we are safe and secure. Nothing, nothing, nothing can change that, just as we sang here this morning. But we now follow a shepherd who is leading us through this life to somewhere that we've not quite arrived at yet. We've not quite got there. And so throughout this passage, if, if you read this passage, what he says again and again and again, all throughout this passage he lays his life down. Verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18. I, I have authority to lay it down. I lay it down of my own accord. Ultimately, This happened at the cross. When he was crucified in our place. But for us to live as Christians in this life, we are never, never to move away from the cross. And I think that's why he repeats this phrase again and again and again. We look to him and what he did there, because in that, we are assured that the threat of the wolf will never ultimately overcome us never and the cross is where we are saved from god's judgment the cross is where we are saved from our sin the cross is what we let shape the way that we lead and the way that we love others not like the bad shepherds that were in it for themselves but it's at the cross where we hear his voice most clearly I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. And this is the charge he has received from his father. What's he saying? The heart for us that we see in Jesus is the heart the father has for us in sending his son. And one day we're going to see our good shepherd again, aren't we? one day we are and when he returns there's going to be no more sin no more brokenness no more pain and we're going to be with our father knowing that jesus our good shepherd has finally led us home so let's keep looking to our good shepherd until that day comes let me pray father in heaven we thank you and praise you that you sent your son and we thank you that your heart in sending your son to sacrifice your only son is the same heart that we see revealed through Jesus as he sacrifices himself willingly at the cross Lord we want to thank you and praise you that the threat of the wolf can never ultimately overcome us We thank you that we have been brought in, that we are now safe as your people. And so my prayer, Lord, for us this morning, every one of us, that we would just be assured of how safe we are in Jesus. And therefore, Lord, we would keep looking to our good shepherd, knowing that he will one day lead us home. Help us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to, um, as these guys come to sing, I'm going to read a psalm that I think a lot of you will know quite well. And I want us to let that settle on our hearts as we come now to worship God through song. Psalm 23, he says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen.